All right, we're going we're gonna to get in the Word. Y'all ready? Mark 11. Mark chapter 11. We are in week 35. Week 35 of the book of Mark. Dirt Roads is our series title. We've been walking with Jesus through the book of Mark. We are now in Jesus' final week. We're in his final week. Mark 11 is where we'll be. If you have your Bibles, great. Uh, open them up. If you don't, open up an app in a second. We'll put the verses on the screens for you. But I want to lay some context. If you remember last week, we spoke about the triumphal entry of Christ. How Jesus came. Uh, he came to Jerusalem. Now, there's not proof, proof of this, but many uh, theologians believe this was the first time in three years that he had uh, made the journey for Passover. And we spoke a little about, bit about the nuance there. There was a lot of buzz going on. Jesus had just, um, uh, he had just healed Bart blind Bartimaeus. Um, he had uh, camped out in Bethany where Lazarus, the man he had resurrected, his friend, he, he had camped out there and he was ready to walk into the city of Jerusalem and he walks around and he views the city and he walks down into the temple and he just checks things out. That's where we ended it last week. Verse 11, him walking around the temple and then it said he retired for the evening um, back in to Bethany. Sometimes people will read today's text and they will jump to conclusions about Jesus or even our expectations for us to live a certain way as a believer. People who are skeptical and questioning Jesus will take a passage like today's passage and say, see, try to explain that one. Today's passage, we're going to talk about the fig tree, and you may, that may not be as popular as also we're going to talk about Jesus overturning the tables in the temple. I've heard people say, well, Jesus lost his temper in the temple, so I can lose my temper on my wife and my kids. Or, hey, I'm sorry I got mad, but you know, Jesus did turn over the tables and the money changers in the temple. Anybody ever heard that before? Raise your hand. If you've been in church long, you've heard someone lose their cool and say, well, I mean, Jesus, he lost his cool in the temple. Today, what we're going to find, and I've titled today's sermon, Confrontational Jesus. Today, we will find that Jesus was not afraid of confrontation. And we're going to see it in two scenarios. But I will say today, and we're going to make sure that this is highlighted throughout the, the text and then at the end as well, he was calculated in how he confronted people. Confrontational Jesus maybe could be called calculated Jesus. Let's jump into God's word today. With that background and that thought, let's jump into God's word, Mark chapter 11, beginning in verse 12. Now the next day when they had come out of Bethany, remember he went and walked around the the temple, and they went back to Bethany for the evening. When they came out of, from Bethany, he was hungry. It's my kind of savior, all right? And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it, so they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through, through the temple. And then he taught 
like he did when he was 12 years old in that same temple, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? By the way, that's an important, we're not going to take the time today to really break that apart, but it is to be a house of prayer and it is to be for all nations. But you have made it a den of thieves, he says in verse 18. And the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him, because all the people were astonished at his teaching. And when evening had come, he went out of the city. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw that same fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Heavenly Father, speak through your word today. May we leave here different, challenged as a result. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. By the way, I won't spend a lot of time here. Um, Context is key, correct? Context is always key in scripture. Uh, May we not rip out three, two, three verses in this text and be like, name it and claim it. Jesus said, if I I ask for that that, uh, Cadillac Escalade, the 24s, that I'm getting it, all right, um, that, that's, we can't just pull that out and be like, oh, that's what the Bible says, I mean, the Bible says a lot of things, if you pull it out, just a verse at a time, that's how cults are started, all right, so the Bible says it, we pull it out, we make it the mantra, and we roll with it, Jesus is not a, this is not a prosperity gospel um, uh, text, this is not uh, Jesus saying, hey, I, I'm a genie, I will give you three wishes, Whatever you want, you have it. Your bank account needs filling, let me fill it up for you. I'm not saying Jesus can't do that. I'm saying this is not proof text for Jesus doing whatever you tell him to do. But I want us to see, first of all, as we're going we're gonna to walk through this text, Jesus confronts the fig tree. All right? Jesus confronts the fig tree. Verse 12, now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry, seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. It was not the season for figs. And in response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. Notice context. And his disciples heard it. Jesus was very calculated in confronting even this tree. For he was trying to teach his disciples a lesson. It was important that Mark put in this text that the disciples heard him do this. Okay, Jesus wanted to make sure that they listened and that they, they heard this. Jesus wasn't merely walking around randomly cursing trees. Okay, he wasn't going up to a, a beautiful, innocent little fig tree. That's one of the uh, takes of, of our skeptics, skeptic friends. Why would he walk up to a beautiful, innocent fig tree and just curse it? There was no way it was going to have fruit. It was out of season anyway. 
No, Jesus wasn't walking around recklessly cursing plants and trees. He was doing this for a reason. You see, this tree was out of season. There were no figs on this tree. There was no fruit to be displayed on this tree. But this tree had developed leaves out of season. And what leaves would tell you is that this tree is alive, that this tree is producing, that this tree has fruit for you. This tree has a fig waiting for you to eat it. It was projecting that it was one thing, and it was actually not that thing. You see, this tree had the facade of being real, but once the closer you got, the closer you got, the closer you got, you started to see this was all a facade. Now, there's no fruit here. There's nothing of substance here on this tree. This tree was not what it was projecting itself to be. This tree had, to use Jesus' description, it had cleaned up the outside of the cup, but the inside was filthy. This tree was projecting health. This tree was projecting fruit. This tree was projecting life. But this, this tree was useless. This tree had nothing to author. This tree had the right appearance, but this tree lacked authenticity. This tree looked the part, but this tree was not the real deal. This tree would show up to church on Sunday, and when somebody said, hey, how are you doing? I'm doing good, brother, sister. I'm doing great. And they go home, and their life is hell. This person would project, hey, pastor, whatever you need me to do, whatever I can do, and, and deep down on the inside, nothing is right on the inside. But everything's great on Sunday. Hey, Chris, how you doing, man? It's great to see you, man. Oh, yeah. And we, and we fake it. Now, listen, I'm, I'm not advocating that you show up every Sunday with every struggle painted on the outside of your body, sharing every little thing that you've struggled with every day this past week. There's a balance there. But I am saying that scripture and Jesus himself warns us about cleaning up the outside of the cup to make ourselves look good, knowing that inside we're rotting away, knowing that inside we're filthy, knowing that inside we're dirty. The remedy not, is not necessarily here in this text today, but the remedy is the Holy Spirit washing us and the word washing us and us cleansing ourselves from the inside and then letting it come out. That's the remedy this morning. But Jesus confronts the fig tree, and, and honestly, Jesus in this moment, he judges hypocrisy. He says, hey, listen, don't, don't project to be something and not be real. And Jesus judges, I know we don't like to hear that, Jesus judges hypocrisy in this text. Hey, this tree is a hypocrite. It's a hypocritical tree. He also, in this, in this text, he judges unfruitfulness. Now listen, if you're going to project that you're fruitful and you have no fruit, and he judges that. And so Jesus confronts the fig tree this morning. I want us to see, secondly, that Jesus now confronts the money changers. How many of you kind of like this text, this money changer text? Like historically, I'm like, man, this is, you know, Jesus is very humble, and, and in the next couple of days, he's going to take beatings, and he's not even going to open his mouth. He's going to be whipped and beaten and mocked and spit upon, and he's going to stand there and he's not going to open his mouth. Okay? So this is a little bit different than that. Let's look at it. 
Look at verse 15. Jesus confronting the money changers. So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple. He began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares to the temple. Then he taught, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of thieves. The scribes and chief priests heard it. Listen, the first time Jesus confronts the fig tree, the disciples, they heard it. He confronts the money changers and those that were making the temple into a den of thieves, he says. And guess what? The chief priests, the scribes, they heard it. It was intentional. Okay, Jesus did it, said it for a reason. They heard it and they sought how they might destroy him. For they feared him. Because all the people were astonished at his teaching. When evening had come, he went out of the city. May I present to you that similar to that fig tree this morning, that the temple of God in Jerusalem was projecting itself to be one thing, and it was not truly on the inside what it was projecting itself to be. It was projecting itself to be a place of worship. It was projecting itself to be a place of prayer, a house of prayer for all nations. It was projecting itself to be a, 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 a place where one would come, especially once a year at the Passover, and to where you would, where you would come and you would give your offerings and you would, uh, the blood would, would cover your sin and there was salvation. May I present to you today that similar to that fig tree that was showing leaves but had no fruit, that the temple of God here in Jerusalem was not what it was projecting itself to be. This was not a temple of hope, a temple of healing, a place of prayer for all nations. No, it had turned in to your local weekend flea market. And even more than just your local weekend uh, flea market, it had actually turned into something deeper and even more of a financial uh, scheme, uh, a scam, I guess is the right word, uh, that, that would be placed on the people. You see, those who came to the temple for Passover would often purchase their animals in Jerusalem at the temple for their sacrifice. You remember there was a lot of different types of sacrifices and there were a lot of different regulations, right, on like what sort of animal, different, th different uh, uh, rules and regulations that they had to follow. And so they would say, wait till you come to, to the temple, you can buy it here. We will make sure it's a male. We'll make sure it's without, we'll make sure all those lists of things and you can buy it from us. But here's what they would do. They would upcharge. It's like getting gas on a, on a tollway. You ever had got gas on a tollway? It's like two, oh, well, what am I, two, what is this, 2019? Um, it's like 315 at the exit before you get on the tollway. You get on the tollway. Why is it 349 just because I went three miles onto the tollway? What happened? Right? It's like going and getting a, a, uh, a hot dog, fries, and a Coke. Okay? at the doghouse for $4.99 or going to getting hot dogs, fries, and a Coke at a football game for $14.99, right? But that's what was happening. See, there was a, a scheme, a scam going on, and they're like, hey, listen, they're here now. They've made the journey for Passover. We've told them that they can purchase here. Let's raise the prices. Not only that, but... The currency that had to be exchanged was the current 
uh, Jewish currency. And so the money changers, they would say, listen, we will give you Jewish money for your foreign money, but there will be a fee. And there will be a charge. An outrageous fee. An outrageous charge. The temple of God was not a place of hope, healing, and prayer. It had turned into a business scheme. It had turned into all about making money off of the people. And not on giving of their tithes and offerings, but of things that were like important to their salvation, to their forgiveness. They were going to take the deep elements of spirituality and they were going to ca capitalize on it financially. And man, for lack of a better word, that ticked Jesus off. But he did not react and lose his temper any more than cursing that fig tree was a reaction and losing his temper. No, Jesus knew what was taking place. Do you remember last week? Do you remember verse 11? He had gone into the temple the night before and he had walked around. I'm sure the temple may have looked a little bit like the state fair that maybe you just went to. And like, here's the booth to do your money exchange. You can ride a ride for $7 and you might die. Uh, but anyway. Um, or the other booth over here is like, here's the animals. Come through and pick. Here's the blue ribbon. Here's the blue ribbon. This one costs this much. It kind of looked like that. Can you imagine Jesus walked through and said, listen, Jesus did, not, Jesus did not react in this moment. Jesus acted in this moment. Jesus overturned those tables and he drove those people out of the temple, not in a reactionary anger, but in a premeditated, calculated move, the fig tree so that his disciples would hear, and this one so that the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious rulers would listen up and hear. You see, Jesus was confrontational, absolutely. But he was confrontational for a specific reason and for a specific purpose. And may I say this this morning? Confrontation is not a bad thing. In fact, those who flee confrontation all the time, that's a problem. Okay? Now, those of us sometimes that crave it, that's a problem. But calculated confrontation can be very biblical. It can be very biblical. Here's the problem. Most of our confrontation, if we're honest, it's reactionary. It's in the moment. It's with our emotions involved. We're not calculated. We didn't, we didn't go to the situation the night before, walk around, look around, say, okay, I'm going to sleep on this. I'll sleep on this. I'll deal with this tomorrow. This isn't just moralistic teaching. However, Jesus is the ultimate example of morals. Jesus is the ultimate perfect example of the way that we should calculate our lives and live our lives. And may I say the truth in this Jesus confronting the money changers is that Jesus will judge wicked ministry practices. He will judge that. When you front the house of God as a house of prayer for all nations and a place of hope and a place of healing and man you're in it for the wrong reasons you're in it to take from the people listen Jesus does not react well 
he confronts. He confronts that. And he confronts it very strongly. We said that he didn't do this on accident or out of a reaction. Jesus teaches his disciples, thirdly. Jesus teaches his disciples. So what can we learn from this? Let's look back in the scripture. Look at verse 20 of our text this morning. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. He cursed it the day before. And now it's dried up. Verse 21, and Peter, he remembered. He said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Now, by the way, mountains in our lives are not, Jesus is not literally saying like, go to like Grandfather Mountain and be like, disappear and turn around and it's gone. Okay, this is, a lot of times Jesus is speaking, we have to understand this, it's, it is an, an insurmountable mountain. We are obviously not going to remove it. We cannot remove it. He is saying our faith needs to be, remove this mountain in my life. Okay? Uh, look at verse 24. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, that's what he's saying, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. If you do not, this is an incredible warning here, if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Wow. What was the lesson Jesus was trying to teach here? Unrelated, not unrelated, but. I think one of the lessons is that forgiveness is a key element of the gospel. And if we don't understand forgiveness, we probably don't understand the gospel. But Jesus rejects anything less than authenticity. He rejects anything less than the real thing, both in our faith and in our actions. So how do we see this play out in our lives? What did Jesus say? The first thing he said was have faith in God. He commands foundational faith. He says, listen, if you're going to be real and you're not going to be like this tree that is fake, you're not going to be like the temple that projected itself to be one thing and was not. If you're going to be real, if you're going to be authentic this morning, confrontational Jesus says you must, found, you must have a foundation in your life that is full of faith. And you say, what does that look like? Well, faith looks like believing when you can't see. Okay? It takes no faith for me to step from here down to there. I'm not doing it this morning because I don't want to rip my jeans. All right? But it takes no faith. You know why? Because I can see it. Now, if it was nothing but pitch dark, and they're like, hey, you feel you're on the edge? Yeah, I feel I'm on the edge. All right, take a step. What does that require? A whole lot of faith. You know why? Because I can't see. So what is faith? What is faith-filled living? Have faith in God. What does that look like? It says, God, I don't know how this mountain's going to be removed that's in front of me. And I can't see beyond this mountain. But you can move it. Living a faith-filled life says, 
I know Jesus needs food. I'm a fig tree. But I don't have food. So provide it another way. I can't see how you're going to provide it. But provide it. Faith says, I have a job opportunity and I don't know what to do. Do I stay at my current job? Do I take this other job? Faith says, I can't see the end. So God, I'm going to step in faith. I'm going to step in faith. So what's the answer? Have faith in God. He commands foundational faith. But then as he speaks of faith, faith-bathed prayer, he commands also deep forgiveness. He commands deep forgiveness. You say, how can I be a more authentic Christian? Well, confrontational Jesus would say, live a life of faith. Not a life of ignorance, not a life of a life of faith. And forgive well, deeply. What is forgiveness this morning? Well, number one, we see forgiveness displayed perfectly in Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32 speaks of, even as God, for Christ's sake, he's forgiven you. That's how we ought to forgive. What does forgiveness mean, though? You say, Jesus can forgive, and Jesus can completely blot out our sin, and he can remember it no more. Well, how many of you would say, I can't do that. I can forgive all I want, but we, we in our finite minds, we always remember. Let's stop acting like we don't. Hey, I'll, I'm going to forgive you, and I'll, I'm going to forget that. I'll never, never bring that up. Shut up. You're going to remember it the next time you see him, man. Stop trying to be less than authentic. Now, what is deep forgiveness? Deep forgiveness looks like this. I was, maybe you were legitimately wronged. I was wronged. I could, but I'm not. I could hold this over you, but I'm releasing you from it. I could bring this up every time I see you, but I'm not. I'm choosing not to forget. No, no, no. Actually, I'm choosing to remember. I'm choosing to remember that I could, but because of Jesus, I'm not. Authentic Christian living. It's Jesus saying, I could condemn you to your eternal state that your sin has earned you. And him saying, but I'm not. It's forgiveness. It's forgiveness. And by the way, if you're here today and you have held forgiveness back from someone, may I just be this person to just tell you it's affecting you more than it's affecting the other person? You say, but you don't know about my childhood. You don't know the way my dad raised me. I can promise you it's affecting you more than it's affecting him. But you don't know about my mom. You don't know about my situation. I promise you it's affecting you more than it's affecting them. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. You say, Josh, can you explain verse 26? If you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Once again, if we just take this verse standalone and we just roll with it, you're like, oh, if you struggle with forgiveness, you definitely ain't saved. Now, I will say this. I believe that forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people 
forgive people. Authentic forgiveness. People that have experienced the authentic forgiveness of Jesus. And we're not perfect at it. Our flesh gets in the way. We forgive people. And if you, if you have an area in your life where you've not yet forgiven, may it be a constant reminder of you, this, that's an area that you have not given over to Christ. That's an area that you have, you're holding on to in your flesh and that you've not given over to the, to the Spirit. Jesus used a fig tree and some terrible ministry practices in the temple to illustrate a couple of important truths this morning. Those who appear godly but have no fruit or are fakes, Jesus dealt with them and judged them. Those who forsake the gospel for personal gain fake the gospel in it for their personal financial gain, they will be exposed. Jesus exposed them in a very public way. But we must remember that the overarching confrontation here was that Jesus confronted a lack of authenticity. Don't act like a fig tree if you don't have figs. Don't act like you're a place of worship and prayer for all nations if all you're doing is taking people's money. So how do we live authentically? A life of real faith. A life of deep forgiveness. Confrontational Jesus. Some of us like confrontational Jesus. Others of us don't like it. Some of us want Jesus to be all of God's wrath embodied in a man. Others of you want Jesus to be all of God's love embodied in a man. And you know what he was? He was God's love and God's wrath and God's justice and God's forgiveness. He was all of that in one person. Isn't that incredible? This week, take it or leave it. You want to be real? Live a life of faith. Deeply forgive. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.